Happy Pentecost Sunday, everybody. This is probably my favorite tradition that we do as a church, right? Like even more so, I don't know if I should say this, but more than Easter and Christmas, I get excited about Pentecost Sunday. I just love this service and it only has a tiny bit to do with the cupcakes that we were breaking together earlier. How's everyone's sugar levels this morning? Amazing Robbie says, hey, this is my first sermon post-tallow. Actually, no, it's not. I did youth on Friday night. It's my first Sunday sermon post-tallow. And are you all breathing easy now because, because I'm not going to go into labor? Remember last time? And I was so sweaty. And I'm not sure if it was like pregnancy hormones or if it was um, the weather. But we can all be relieved this time. Do we feel we can breathe easy? Actually, I know I'm already waffling and I'll stop soon. But my dad rang me. <laughs> said I can waffle all I like. Dad rang me after I preached last time and he was like, were you, like, because he listened to the podcast afterwards and he was like, were you hyperventilating towards the end? And I was like, I think so. I think I was building to a crescendo and then I just sort of ran out of breath towards the end. But, you know, no, none of you have preached with a watermelon in your stomach. So anyway, so now I know this morning... Just waffle, waffle. I'll stop now. I know this morning you want me to open straight to Acts chapter 2, which is what, Nev, you read that before. I was out the back with the babies. Did you read it? Thanks. You just jumped straight ahead of me. Perfect. Okay, so that's when Peter gets lit with the Holy Spirit. For those of you from Nimbin this morning, he gets lit with the Holy Spirit and preaches his best sermon ever. 3,000 people get saved and the church is born. Hallelujah. Hello, Pentecost Sunday. We're celebrating it all these years later. Hello, YWAMers. Um, And and, um, we get excited uh, about that day, don't we? But before we go to Acts chapter 2, and we will get there, we will get there. First, I want us to rewind just a little bit back to Matthew chapter 16, if I can. All right, and uh, probably I'm not going to read verse 13 to 19, but we're going to like hover over those scriptures a little bit. And I want to go to this part because it's where I believe that the concept of the church was birthed in Peter's heart. Is that okay? Beautiful. Yes, it was. Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 to 19. Because I believe this conversation that happens is going to preempt everything that happens over in Acts chapter 2. All right, so can we just picture ourselves in Matthew 16 right now? And um, in this context, Jesus has been performing his miracles. And he's been ministering in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and everyone's been watching. And now all those people have faded away. All those people watching the miracles, they have just gone now. And it's just Jesus and his disciples. And it's in this conversation where he asks two questions, two peculiar questions. And the first one is this. He says to his boys, who do the people say I am? Who do the people say I am? Do you remember that question? Verse 13, who do the people say I am? And they go, the people This is the Nikki paraphrase, but it's pretty much what was said. The people, Jesus. Well, the people have been saying all things about you, Jesus, all kinds of things. They've been saying that the miracles that you've been performing are unusual and powerful and they move heaven and earth. They said, I haven't even seen magicians do things like this. And you know what they've been saying about you, Jesus, is that you're not just like Elijah who came to bring fire, but you're like Elisha who came to heal. Remember the other day, Jesus, when you got the mud, you made the mud, you got the dirt, you spit in it and you healed that blind man. They say, you're just like Elisha. And then they said, you know, the other day 
when you were with the woman at the well and you prophesied right into her being. You knew everything about her. You know what the people said about you after that, Jesus? They said, you're just like Jeremiah. You're just like Jeremiah because you were... You prophesied right into her life, yet at the same time you were moved with compassion for her situation. You're just like Jeremiah. You know, some of them, Jesus, they've been saying, this has definitely got to be Peter talking, right? Because he's got ADD and he can't stop talking. Definitely the first youth pastor. But he says, Jesus. (laughs) I've only had two shots this morning. And then we have the post-pregnancy hormones to help me out. So praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then he said, Jesus, you're just like John the Baptist because you've come to give us a second chance with the water baptism of repentance. You're just like John the Baptist. And Jesus says, that's great. Those are good things, actually. That's great that the people, I say this about me, Peter. And here's my second question. I really just asked you that question to get to this one. Who do you say I am? That's right, Carol. Who do you say I am? that fateful verse. Who do you say I am? Verse 15. I know what the people say about me. Peter, I know what the preacher said about me. I know what Bishop, what's his name? Michael Curry said about me at the royal wedding. It's good stuff. That was really good stuff, actually. I know what the devotional on your iPhone says about me, and I know what The author in that commentary you're reading about me says it's all good stuff. But what I want to know today, what I want to know, boys, what I want to know, disciples, is who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter says instantly the most profound words, I believe, of his entire life. And it's going to be more profound than anything you'll hear him preach over in Acts chapter 2. Even more so, even more significant, I believe, is this moment. Is that all right? Because he says this, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, son of the living God. You know what he was saying that day? Is you are the anointed one. The, can we just spend a little bit of time to build up the sacredness of this for a moment? Can we do that? Just a little bit. See, over and over again, just a little bit, I promise. Over again in the Old Testament, the word anoint is used to anoint, to anoint, to anoint as a verb, as a doing word. And it gives us the Hebrew word mashak. Can you say that? Mashak. Yeah, he didn't. He just nodded at me. He looked scared. I'll come over this way. Meshach, okay? And, but the noun form or the name form is Messiah, and it means anointed one. Every time you hear the Messiah, it means anointed one. I know a lot of us know this this morning. The beautiful thing in the Greek here, the word krio is used, which gives us the noun Christos, and the Greek transliteration of that word is a word we love and know so well. Can you guess what it is? Christ. Messiah means Christ. They mean the exact same thing, the anointed one. And you know what Peter was saying that day? He was saying, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are the one that Elisha and Jeremiah and all those figures have been foreshadowing, but you are the one. See, Jesus 
what I'm confessing right now is that you're not just anointed. You are the anointed one. Jesus, you don't just have an anointing. You are the anointing. We've got to go deeper. We've got to go just a tiny bit deeper. And I actually know this isn't profoundly deep teaching this morning. I don't actually intend to teach us anything new today. What my goal is in this short little sweet time frame that we have is to remind us who we are. To remind us. It doesn't have to be deep. It can be simple. I just want to remind us this morning of something. Is that all right? To anoint someone in the Old Testament was to set them apart for an office. Whether that office be a priest or a king or a prophet. It would set them apart for a responsibility. And what they would do, they would take oil and pour it over the individual. And that oil, we know would represent the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them to fulfill that task, to fulfill that duty, that office, prophetic, priestly role, whatever it may be. For example, we know David was anointed. We love King David. He's just the easiest example to use because everybody knows him. Everybody loves the guy. So, you know, Samson takes a horn of oil. He pours it on David. You remember that? And then, bam, he's anointed. God, like comes up and just sort of cloaks himself on top of him and then suddenly he has the power to do things that he would otherwise not be able to do. And then we pull out David and Goliath because that's the the one, the story we love the most. You know, he would not have been able to do that, for example, on his own. The power of the Holy Spirit was upon him. Can somebody say upon? upon? Upon, beautiful. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, when we look at the way things worked in the old covenant, I don't know, do you feel a tiny bit ripped off? Just a teeny bit. Just when we think about it, just sometimes it feels like everything was so much more real. As in, do you know what I'm saying? Like they had real physical things to sort of deal with when it came to the movement of God and witnessing the power of God and just like meeting with God. You know what I mean? It's like they had a real holy priesthood and they had the sacrificing of the animals which I'm actually okay with that that one because it sounds like so much work like they butchered them and anyway there's vegans in here I'm gonna stop but you know what I mean they had real animal sacrifices and they had the horn of oil and they had like the pillar of fire I've not seen one of those in my lifetime do you know what I mean they had, they had all these things and they were real physical things it just feels like the anointing of God if you like is so much more clear and black and white, sort of cookie cutter in the old covenant sometimes. And then I'm like, did we get like the short end of the stick here? Like we have the spiritual version of everything. You know, it's like we wear robes of righteousness. Okay, don't, no one gave me a real sword. I have the sword of the spirit. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about because it's like, yeah, we're kings and priests, but no one gave me a crown, not even on Mother's Day, because they can't take a hint. You know? You know what I mean? Flowers, no. <laughs> I got flowers and I got a cut and I got a whisk. So it was fantastic. But did Jeremiah and Elisha, I'm not letting myself go on that tangent. We will never finish this message in time. But did Elisha and Jeremiah and Elijah and Samson and David and all these guys, did they have something that we didn't? Did they have, like, the real thing and we've just sort of got an echo of it? Do we have a pale 
yeah, you've just got to let me get to the end. Like, it's a rhetorical question, Pentecostal person. All right. <laughs> it's all right. Now, I love it. You know that I love people being responsive. So whoever that was, God bless you. I'm grateful for you. I love it when you talk back to me. I do. But did they have something that we didn't? Did, did they have the real thing and we had the shadow? But then what is Paul the apostle talking about in Colossians 2.17? Did we read that on Friday night? You should know. You, don't, you weren't listening. All right. Ask somebody else. Colossians 2.17. <laughs> he says this when he's contextually, he's speaking of these ancient things of old. He's talking of the new moons and the festivals and the Sabbaths and this structure of the old covenant. And he says this. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ, the anointed one there it is again okay now we are ready to open up to acts chapter 2 pentecostals we build up the sacredness of it and there's a reason i do that because if you do not revere and esteem the anointing um you 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 have the capacity to misuse it all right so we want to understand what's going on here so acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 never read them for us this morning thank you for saving me some time the spirit of god comes upon them the promised spirit of god comes upon them like the same spirit the same spirit that came upon david and elisha and elijah and all these guys the same spirit comes upon the believers of god But something radical happens this day. Something different happens this day. Something that the Old Testament would pale in comparison to. Can I tell you what it is? It's so exciting. Because God, this time, he doesn't just come up upon them and cloak himself on top of them. He does something different in verse 4. It says this, that the tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit, it says all of them, rested upon them, upon them, upon them. But verse 4, it says all of them were... Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. And as Pentecostals, we love to talk about speaking in tongues. But I think that the emphasis in this verse is that he filled because it changes everything. It changes everything. In fact, it changes history itself because... You can count roughly 100 people in the Old Testament who are described as having the Holy Spirit come upon them. But all bets are off in the New Testament. The same Spirit that anointed Elisha, the same Spirit that anointed Jeremiah, who who the disciples in this Matthew 16 scenario, the same guys, the same Spirit that anointed these guys is now filling up every believer, male or female, son or daughter, Jew or Greek, slave or free, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, not just Israel, but everybody. This is what is happening now. And the anointing is not just upon them, but it is in them. It is on them, but it is not in them. And this is everything to us. Not just the Pentecostal church. This is everything to us, church. Because Jesus said, when he said to us, when he said to the disciples, all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth is is given to you. 
Because the Holy Spirit, we need to understand him. We need a revelation of him. The Holy Spirit doesn't have authority. He is authority. Can we get a revelation of that this morning? He doesn't just have power. He is power. He doesn't just have an anointing. He is the anointing and he has been given to us. He is Jesus and Jesus lives in me. The Christ lives in me. Hope of glory. This is good news this morning, I promise. It is good news this morning. Do you have any idea, church, who lives inside of you? It is sacred and it is to be esteemed and revered. The difference between the old covenant and me, they had the shadow. I got the reality. I have the reality. We don't live in the shadows waiting for the power of God to come upon us. We don't live and we wait. Is God going to anoint me or is he not going to anoint me? Is God going to give me his Holy Spirit or is he going to take it away? No, no. We don't live in that kind of covenant. The covenant is gospel. It is good news because he will never take it away. We have the reality as in we have the real thing. We have the real live anointing Christ in us. Simple message this morning. Christ in me, hope of glory. And here's the thing, Pentecostals. <laughs> it's an affectionate, I say that affectionately. We are not just anointed to uh, get Holy Spirit goosebumps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We are not just anointed to fall under the power of God in church or have extended worship and, you know, we're not just anointed. There's got to be more evidence of the anointing than speaking in tongues. There's got to be more. It cannot just start and end there. I know we love to speak in tongues. I'm not even, am I brave enough to go there? I'm not even going to go there this morning. Pentecost Sunday is not about doctrinal theology. Here's what it's about. I want to tell you. Can I tell you? It's not about baptism. This is what it's about. There is a two attached to the anointing of God inside of you. There is a two attached to it. We are anointed not to look the part, but to live the part. And the part that we play in humanity is this. Can I read it to you? It comes from Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 2. Christ himself read it about himself when he stood up in the temple that day and he said, I have fulfilled this. I am the fulfillment. I am the fulfillment of this scripture. And it says this. We know it. We love it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners. This is what it means, church, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer, that declaration comes alive in you. It comes alive in us. We don't get to say, I'm not anointed to do that. We focus on so many things when it comes to church. But do you know what? This is what it's about. 
This is why we are here. This is why we are gathered. This is what we do. This is our vision and our purpose and our mandate. This is what the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for. It is missional. We are anointed to fulfill the priestly mandate, the royal mandate, the prophetic mandate, and it is Isaiah 61. Is that okay this morning? Did you come to church to hear that this morning? Or did you come to hear about tongues? And I guess my question to you, I'm joking, but my question to you is this. What is your confession this morning? What is your confession? Because every time we call ourselves Christians, we are confessing that we are little anointed ones. That's right. I got the mm -hmm, from Ned, so I know that's theologically correct. (laughs) You cannot be theologically incorrect whenever he's on the front row. No. (laughs) We are the little anointed ones. It's what it means to be a Christian. Every time it gets said, we are confessing that we are anointed and we are followers of the anointed one. So we are identified as a people by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is your confession this morning? I didn't ask you what your friends say, what the other people in YWAM say, or what the speakers for the lectures say. I didn't ask you what the pastor said, or what Nevin Sue said, or what the preacher said, or what the iPhone devotional says. I know you've got one. We all have one. You know what I mean? Everyone in Music Links has one anyway, right? Because Jit makes us and it's the best. But I don't care what they say. What I want to ask you this morning is who do you say he is? Is he the Christ? Or is he just a good teacher? Is he the anointed one? Or is he just a miracle maker? Is he your Lord? Or is he just your savior? He may have saved you, but does he rule and reign as Lord over your life? Ooh, snap. Snap, Dizzy. Um, (laughs) Has his spirit worked his way into every stitch of the fabric of your life? I just want to know this morning. Because you cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you if you do not want to bother with him in you. It doesn't work that way anymore. You can ask Samson how much of a train wreck that is. But that brings us back to our conversation with Peter as I miraculously finish up, which you know means I've got at least seven minutes to go, but I'm finishing up. So, you know, worship team, you can come and um, build some atmosphere behind me. Because it's, it's not the Holy Spirit if someone's not playing an instrument, right? Just getting the party started. Okay, we're going to go back to our conversation. I think the the party... He's just building atmosphere, guys. Good atmosphere for you, Nikki. (laughs) It's all right. There wasn't a moment to ruin nap, so it's fine. We weren't in a moment. It was like last time. Remember, last time I preached on the Holy Spirit, this happened when I did the Judges series, and it was a really, you know, poignant moment. And then random CD music starts playing. Like Joel Houston himself interrupts me. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this moment. (laughs) Were you there, Haley? You would know you weren't there. I would have got a text message from you afterwards. But no, it it was good. It was brilliant. Thanks, Nev. No, this is fantastic, really. Um... Hey, Neville, can I go back to my conversation with Peter yet? 
I'm good. Love you. Okay, Matthew chapter 16. Brilliant. All right. At least no one's heckling me for heresy this morning, okay? No, that's a plus. Now, so significant is what Peter said that it's found in all synoptic gospels and there's a reason. And so profound and significant is your answer today also because of what Jesus says next. In the Nikki translation, he says, Peter, now that you have recognized, now that you have realized who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. Now that you have made this confession, now that you have made this confession, Peter, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to put together something called a church. Something called a church. And it's not going to be your church, Peter. It's going to be my church, Jesus said. Not me. It's not going to be Nevin Sue's church. It's going to be my church, Jesus says. It's not going to be any senior pastor's church. It's going to be my church, he said. And you know what? It's going to be filled with people who just criticize each other and, you know, gossip about each other and um, critique each other. And, you know, (laughs) I will stop. He said, it's going to have this denominational seal on it, Peter. It's going to have this style of clothing. You make sure they dress in these clothes. Oh, and Peter. You make sure there are smoke machines and lights for the night services. Because if there are not smoke machines, my presence will not manifest. That's all I'm saying. If you do not have dark theater services. (laughs) I actually love the smoke machines. So I run the youth ministry now. Oh, sorry, that was the wrong Bible. No, he didn't say that. He says, I'm going to build my church. And it's going to be expansive and it's going to be explosive and it's going to be filled with the power, with supernatural energy. So explosive that not even the gates of hell will overcome it. So this is what we're going to do, Peter. We're not going to set the church up on the good side of town. We're going to go to the bad side of town and we're going to build the church there right next to the gates of hell so every demon can hear every person who gets saved. Come on, church. Every miracle that breaks out, every broken heart that is bound up, every prisoner that is released from darkness, every captive that is freed, everything on the earth, below the earth and above the earth will hear the sound of salvation. Come on. Can somebody else amen me? I'm going to add to their number, Peter. Day after day after day after day, people from every tribe, Every tongue, every nation. And some of them are going to sit on the floor. And some of them are going to sit in plastic chairs that hurt Lori's back. And some of them are going to gather in cathedrals. And some of them are going to gather underground. But one thing, one thing they will have in common is me, the Christ, the anointed one. And I will not just come upon them, but I will be with in them. Church, if he's in you. You won't just sing your kingdom come. You will bring your kingdom come. We won't just get all, how's it go? Your kingdom come, your will be done. No, we won't just sing it. We will bring it. I don't care that was in the wrong key. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Because the spirit of the Lord 
is upon me and is upon you. And he has anointed me and he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom to the captives. Come on. To bind up the brokenhearted. Because guess what? If you don't like church, you don't have the skills to pay the bills. You cannot fulfill the Isaiah 61 mandate alone. You are not that good. We do this together. We do this together. We gather. We do this together. Alone we cannot accomplish, but together not even the gates of hell can overcome because we are the church. And we are the hope on earth. Little anointed ones, can we stand this morning?